so special. I think, you know, the Queensland Fire have been in five or six finals maybe. And um, yeah, I think we're going through a really nice little period at the moment. Obviously kind of had some pretty good consistency in WBBL, even though we didn't win this year with the Heat, um, kind of really competitive in the semifinals. And um, yeah, winning our first WMCL title, I think it shows the good talent that's coming through throughout the system. And um, yeah, hopefully we can, we can try to create a little, um, you know, uh, kind of try to replicate what New South Wales have done over the years. So we'd love to... We, we said that this isn't the pinnacle for us. We want to be here, you know, four or five years down the track as well, like being consistent, making the final and winning, winning titles. A very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly. My name is Matt Ellis and joining me as always, Robbie McKinlay. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, good day, Matty. Great to be back. And, um, well, dear me, oh, interesting thought uh, there. Did I almost hear the word dynasty mentioned? I think Georgia Redmayne was thinking dynasty uh, in those yeah. comments there post-game WNCL final. Congratulations to Queensland, the reigning WNCL winners. And I think I'm going to offer up an apology straight away we, we did have one of our loyal listeners get in touch with us suggesting that the New South Wales dynasty might be over, and I was very reluctant to take that on board. And fair enough. And uh, congratulations well, to Queensland. They've, they've done the job. Well, They're looking to try and replicate something similar to what New South Wales have done. Obviously, they've had a lot of success with the Brisbane Heat in the WBBL and, of course winning the WNCL this year. But what defines a dynasty being over, Robbie? Well, that, look, Matty, I'd, I'd, say, I'd hate to see you um, come out and say that you think the dynasty's over because I believe deep down you don't believe it is because I think take a couple of things into consideration here. COVID oh, and also yeah. you've got to remember, Matt, at the moment there's a tour of New Zealand going on. I'll throw some names at you. Alyssa Healy, um, Rachel Haynes. Ash Gardner, um, you know, a few handy players there. Uh, you, probably, you know, I, I, I think it's um, early. And I do, I, you know, I know we're going to get to the WNCL final too, but Victoria, who dominated that all year, had some players away. So I think we need to, I think we'll just give it another year. But well done to Queensland. I think it's very healthy. It's good for Australian cricket. And we've, for two years in a row now, we've had two different winners. We've had Western Australia uh, last season and now Queensland. And well done. To the Queensland, particularly Georgia Redmayne, what an inning she had in the final. Oh, let's have a look at that final in more detail now, Robbie. Uh, Queensland, the players getting a message, I think, somewhere around 9 o'clock or 8.30 the night before the game saying they needed to be COVID yeah. tested. So that sent their WhatsApp group into an absolute frenzy. The players getting their COVID test done and then coming out and having to play, uh, I think, sort of 7.30 the, the following morning, they got their clearances to say that they yeah. were all good to go. So not the ideal preparation. But as we mentioned, the, the good doctor, Georgia Redmayne, 134 not out at the top of the order for Queensland, really setting the platform. Young Michaela Hinckley coming in as well, 53 from 54 balls. A former Breakers player, Michaela yep. Hinckley, made her debut there. She won a WBBL title with the Thunder before moving to the Brisbane Heat as well. Uh, so... Plenty of big game experience for Michaela. Eight for 317 off their 50 overs. That's always going to be a tall order 
chasing that amount of runs in a final, albeit on a very good batting wicket. Three wickets for Kim Garth, two wickets for Ella Hayward, and one wicket each to Tess Flintoff and McKinley Blows. So uh, tough, tough ask for Victoria. They're pretty heavily reliant on Elise Villani throughout the season, and even when the big guns were there, Elise Villani had a season to remember. What what, what yeah. a magnificent season, and rightly named WNCL player of the tournament. Uh, she made 18. Annabelle Sutherland, who was raced back into the side, she made a, a magnificent 42. Kim Garth, 48. Uh, but it was never really going to get them across the line. All out for 205. Courtney Sipple, 3 for 44. 3 for 36 for Lily Mills. Grace Harris, 4 for 35. The best of the bowlers for Queensland. And they now have in their cupboard the coveted Ruth Preddy Trophy. I think Ruth Pretty even gets a mention in their theme song or the, the winning song for the, the Queensland girls. So uh, a great result for them and uh, well done for all their hard work, uh, not only this season. You've got to remember too, Robbie, they, they started off the season with a couple of losses and had to win and win well to find their way in, in the decider. So um, WNCL over for another year. Hard to believe it. Yeah, they played a... If you're going to play a final, your ambition is to play almost the perfect game, and they weren't far off that. We, we just spoke about their batting, you know, posting that score of 8 to 317. But, Maddie, to restrict the side to 205 runs on the junction oval, and I thought that bowling was great. Dear Courtney Sipple was good. She was outstanding. Um, and another one, Megan Dixon, who we spoke about yeah. previously on the Cricket Library Weekly, didn't pick up a wicket, but just held that first change. Um, bowling job down so well. And then Lily Mills, the one that really impressed me, 3 for 36. Gracie Harris, who bowled very well at the junction over because she gets that bit of height, she took those four wickets. But um, all in all, um, their maiden victory in the Ruth Preddy Trophy, as you said, and it's a well-deserved one. Their form at the back end of the season was fantastic. And um, yeah, well done to Queensland. Because just remember too, they still in that final were without Beth Mooney and... Um, Jess Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, who are over playing in, in New Zealand uh, for Australia. Now, we might move on to that, Robbie, actually. Why not? That's a perfect segue there. Well done. Uh, Australia v New Zealand, the Australians fresh out of quarantine. And Jess Johnson, that lady we just mentioned, three for 26 for Australia with the ball. Very impressive display. Uh, New Zealand, six for 130 from their 20 overs. Satterthwaite doing the bulk of the damage with 40 from 31 for the home side and other bowlers that made a bit of an Im- impact. Megan Shoot picked up a wicket, Nicola Carey a wicket and Georgia Wareham a wicket and very tidy as well, Georgia Wareham, only going for four and a half runs and over. Economical stuff as you'd expect from the fine young leg spinner. And then Australia in reply, two overs to spare, four for 133, the big talking point, A.K. Gardner, 73 not out from just 48 balls. What a cricketer she is. Yeah, six boundaries, three sixes. But, hey, Matt, if you look at that on just reading the scores, it looks like a comfortable victory. They had to do it the hard way. They were three for 14 early days mm. um, with um, Beth Mooney and Healy both out for uh, naught and two respectively. You know, that, that certainly um, puts you on the back foot, but... That was a, a seriously good inning to Mash Gardner. Well supported in that 71-run stand, unbeaten, 
by Elise Perry, 23 off 16. And Maddie, I don't mind putting my hand up again here, but I think Elise Perry batting, what I saw at the back end of that WNCL season, is in top shape. I think she's going to have a very good tour in New Zealand, Elise Perry. Oh, there you go. In fact, I'll be lucky to get her out. Well, there you go. We we are we are proclaiming here. Good luck, New Zealand, dismissing Elise Perry on this tour. And one person who might be a chance, Jess Kerr, four overs, two for seventeen, uh, four point two five runs and over for her. Uh, Amelia Kerr, one for thirty four, and Francis Mackay, one for twenty nine. The wicket takers for New Zealand. And next game coming up fairly soon, uh, Robbie. Tomorrow, Maddie. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Is, yeah, at McLean Park. That's in Napier. Beautiful little um, ground there. That's um, 3 o'clock local time. Did you catch that on Foxtel or KO? But um, I think the Kiwis will be better for the run. Hey, what about Amy Satterwhite? She seems to say her best at internationals against Australia. Um, didn't have a great uh, WBBL season, but certainly performs well against the Aussies. So, um, yeah, keep an eye for Amy Satterwhite to lead a bit of a comeback for New Zealand. But, oh, the Aussies, they're in good nick, and uh, they'll go in with a, with a mountain of confidence at Ellis. Oh, they definitely will. And uh, got some one-dayers coming up as well. So we've got the T20 tomorrow and then another one on April the 1st. And then following that, uh, we've got the 4th, the 7th, and the 10th of April. We've got some ODIs yep. as well. So plenty of cricket still to be played for the Australians in New Zealand and hoping they can keep... Uh, performing the way they they had in the opening game. And, Robbie, we'll talk some men's cricket coming up. We've got some Marsh One Day Cup and some Sheffield Shield to talk about in just a moment right here on the Cricket Library Weekly. Hi, this is Alex Hartley from the England women's cricket team. Hi, this is Tino Best. Hey, this is Piper Cleary. G'day, it's Alex Ross here. Hey guys, Rachel Priest here. Hi, this is Renee Farrell, and you are listening to the Cricket Library Weekly with Robbie McKinlay and Matty Ellis. Make sure you subscribe today on your favourite podcast provider. We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly, and Robbie, it is the business end of the season in the Marsh One Day Cup. Queensland certainly well and truly putting their names forward with a big win over South Australia on the weekend after the frustration of washouts in the Sheffield Shield competition for them. They must have just been itching to get out and play some cricket and they've turned it on. Six for 321 off their 50 overs. No shortage of half centuries. Everyone in the top four making a half century. Heslett 65 from 64. Usman 50 from 56, Marnus 82 from 80, and Matt Renshaw 56 from 60. Uh, they were very impressive indeed, and the bowlers just not able to make the impact they would have liked to. A wicket each to Worrell, Spencer Johnson, and Wes Agar. But uh, the run chase, very mm. disappointing from a South Australian point of view. Jake Weatherall putting up some fight at the top of the order with 68. But Matt Kuhneman's four for 37, earning him man of the match honours, Robbie. Yeah, I think the big thing to come out of that game is, Maddie, that score of Queensland, uh, 84 of those runs came in sixes. They hit 14 over the rope. So that, that just, it just catapults your score, doesn't it? You know, that's, that's 84 of 14 deliveries. So then you can, then you can just, you know, you, you can, you can bat like Labashane did. He gets 82 of 80. Renshaw gets 56 or 60. Kawaja, 50 or 56. It's just, you know, it just eases it. 
So, but it was a good performance. And gee, poor old Wes Agar, uh, nine overs, uh, no maidens, one for 80. So he, he copped a little bit of tap there. But uh, yeah, disappointing from South Australia there. Like they, they'll go away from that. And, you know, it, it was a chance to probably stamp themselves, stand up there. It was really only Jake Weverall, who's been in great form. Uh, he got 68, hit five sixes, I think. But um, yeah, Travis Head missed out. Alex Perry missed out. Uh, Jake Lehman. Cal Ferguson, Harry Nielsen, it's a good batting lineup, Matty, but yeah, well done to Queensland. Queensland are in good form at the moment in all forms of cricket, uh, you know, male and female, Matt. Uh, things are looking good in the sunshine state. They certainly are. And I tell you what, Matty Renshaw would have been happy to get the wicket of Alex Carey. Oh, it's a I nice little, nice little feather in his cap. I'm sure that'll come up uh, in strikers team meetings. Uh, down the track if Matty Renshaw yeah. stays down there at the Strikers. Yep. Let's just have a look at this ladder, Robbie. All teams have played four games out of the five that they're scheduled to play. Queensland's sitting on top. It's the two bonus points that has them just ahead mm. of New South Wales. So they're on 15 points. New South Wales on 14. Then we've got WA on 11, Tasmania on 10. And then you can forget the rest, Victoria on one and South Australia on zero. And upcoming... This Wednesday, North Sydney Oval, day-night fixture, 2pm, New South Wales v Queensland. That one on, on the Cricket Network, Fox, Foxtel and KO. So no excuse for missing that one. Uh, then we've got to wait just over a week to see what is going to happen. Victoria v South Australia doesn't really have any impact no. on, other than on the wooden spoon placing. But that WA v Tasmania game, depending on the results of the New South Wales-Queensland game could catapult someone else into that uh, final yes. position there. So very interesting to see uh, how that one pans up, pans out. And selection-wise for New South Wales, who they have available, obviously the IPL coming up soon. A lot of the big guns will be heading away for the IPL. And be very interesting to see who they include in that squad for Wednesday, New South Wales, in a must-win game for them to secure possibly a home final if they can, yeah. can win that one. If they win it, Maddie, look, whoever wins out of Queensland, New South Wales will host it. Um, so that's, And that's finals on April 11th. And then I, I guess from a Western Australian Tasmanian point of view, um, Western Australian, with that extra point at the moment, they'll know that a win over Tasmania, will put them pretty... Well, well this is where it gets tricky. If, if Queensland beat New South Wales, um, Western Australia only need to have a win and they'll go into second position. Yeah. But if, if New South Wales win, Western Australia are four points and quite a considerable net run rate behind Queensland. They would have to win and with the bonus point to grab second spot off Queensland. So as you can see, Matty, there's a few little connotations to be sorted out there with going to have to wait a bit over a week to find out. Oh, the, and, and there's advantages and disadvantages. I think yeah, the, for New is. South Wales and Queensland, they've got their IPL players available potentially this Wednesday, uh, whereas if you're playing one of the later games, you, you know what you need to do. So WA can go into that game yep. against Tasmania and know, okay, we need to do X, Y, Z to get our net run rate past whatever it is that they're chasing for New South Wales or Queensland. So exciting finish to the domestic one-day competition, the Marsh One-Day Cup. And, of course, the Marsh Sheffield Shield, Robbie. What a what an interesting uh, situation it's been with all the washouts we've had lately yeah. in the Sheffield Shield competition. Um, 
but a big final round of matches coming up. So we've got we've got Queensland again sitting on top of the table at the moment. They're on thirty point eight four. New South Wales on twenty nine point oh one and WA on twenty seven point six eight. So they're the three teams that are in the hunt for that Sheffield Shield final. You've got Tasmania back on 20.34, Victoria on 19.24, and South Australia on 10.21. Isn't it interesting, Robbie, that it's exactly oh. the same order for yeah. for 50-over cricket and um, Sheffield Shield cricket, and all three fixtures being played at the same time. This one, yeah. uh, I'm really particularly excited about. I'll be down commentating for cricket.com.au Day one and day three of the New South Wales v Queensland fixture down at North Dalton Park, Wollongong. But while that's going on, you've got Victoria up against yep. South Australia. South Australia desperate for a win there. And WA potentially playing to get themselves yep. into a final against well, um, Tasmania there. Matty, I've got to ask you a question. Is it possible for, for West Australia not to have a win, but achieve enough points to go past New South Wales. So on the ladder at the moment, they are 1.33 behind New South Wales. Yeah, so, I guess with the bonus points, depending on how many, yes. that, that first 100 overs, if they bowl, so if they bowl Tasmania out in the first 100 overs of the first innings, that'll get them one point. And then yep. it'll depend how many batting points they can score in their first 100 overs of batting. As they'd have to go on a run purge, wouldn't they? They would. They would. Something like, Maddie, like they'd have to almost get 400 off that 100 over, something like that, to put pressure on New South Wales. So. Yeah, they would. So it's going to be an interesting – I think at the end of the day, WA, if they don't beat Tasmania, they're, yeah. they're probably not bringing the right form into a Shield final. If, oh, well, yeah. But stranger things have happened. We've seen we've seen teams limp into to grand finals and uh, win them before as well. So, uh, Well, have a look at Victoria there, Matt. They've only lost one game, and they're in second second last position the ladder. But hey, they've only won one game. They've only lost one game, but they've had five draws and so have WA. So, I, Matt, this season of Sheffield Shield, it's been a testing one, hasn't it? We've had so many drawn matches. You look at all the, you know, New South Wales only had two draws, but Queensland have had three, WA and Victoria five, Tassie three, South Australia four. Yeah, it's been. Just been one of those seasons, hasn't it? It's um, it's going. I think the team team who ended up winning it is going to say, "Oh, thank goodness for that." But it's yeah, it's, it's well, a season that's never really got going. Well, you have a look at WA; they're third on the ladder, haven't lost a game. Exactly. It's almost like a um, a soccer yeah. soccer competition. Yeah. So you thinking? If you're thinking, and I'm thinking that. That is it possible Western Australia could go through undefeated in their eight games and not play off in the final? It's possible. It's possible. It's a weird, it's yeah. weird times, aren't they? Yeah, very strange times indeed, Robbie. And it's also possible that we could have a team that was bundled out for less than 100 twice in the season go through and play in the final and possibly even host the final, depending on the outcomes of the games yep. this weekend. Uh, before we move on, Robbie, we should, should run our eye over the game that was completed uh, recently. This one not washed out. Do we need to mention? Do we need to mention New South Wales all out thirty two against well, Tassie? Because we haven't talked about that yet. I was hoping that that we could just move on from that. I think we need to because we're going to be real. 
because, well, you know, let's, well, let's have a look at another. India were bowled out for 36 in the Test Series this season. They were. They've gone on to, they're going to play off in the Test Championship. So, you know, it can happen. Um, one bad day doesn't make a summer, does it, Matt? Absolutely not. And Tassie, 333 in their first innings. Uh, some notable performances there. The Australian captain, TD Payne, 87 before he was LBW to Trent Copeland. But then Jackson Bird. Now, uh, this is a bit of a spoiler for our Matt's mailbag section, but I will mention uh. this now. Uh, this has been brought to my attention by Elliot in New Zealand. Um, Elliot sent me a little note asking about Jackson Bird. He's 54 from 54 uh, and then going on to take wickets in that next inning. So I won't spoil the teaser, question now, teaser. but that's just yep. a bit of a teaser for those who follow Matt's mailbag. But then Jackson Bird, seven for 18, 10 overs, five made in seven for 18, career best bowling figures, New South Wales all out after 19.3 overs, all out for 32. Peter Neville, a lone hand, 10 not out for him. And then, then, then Tassie batted again, Robbie. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. Good on him. Yeah, okay. Why not? Put the feet up, yeah. fast bowlers, 19.3 overs. Yeah, that were done. <laughs> but if, if that, just, that is, um, if you look at that, I, I'm just trying to think. So um, Jackson Bird's not regarded as a, you know, he's made a couple of half, I think made a couple of half centuries in first-class cricket, but he's not regarded as a, as a you know, a, a really good bat, like an all-rounder status. He makes 54 or 54. And then you see New South Wales bowl out for 32. It's, it's, that just sums cricket up at times. It's such a quirky game. It and is. Matt, the other thing I've got to – now I had a – this is, I'd call it an off-the-cuff mailbag question. Yeah. I had from a, um, a, a staunch New South Welshman who suggested, would that 32 go into the record as the fourth lowest score ever, I think it was, because Sean Abbott was away absent hurt and only nine wickets fell. Where does that sit in the statistical sort of uh, conglomerate out there? The total is 32, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. Even though so I Bird mean, could have got eight wickets. He could have. He could have. But, yeah, the total, total 32 there. Let's move on. Tasmania, 191. I'm not trying to take anything away <laughs> from Tassie. You know, I'm not trying to do that. But yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I, I think it counts as all out. Yeah, okay. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, Tim Tim Payne, 40 not out, second innings uh, of 191. Now, the good news for New South Wales is they made 194 in their second innings, which was three more than Tasmania did. So I think <laughs> they need to think about giving some points for that somewhere. But uh, <laughs> Trent Copeland. Thanks to Trent Copeland. Oh, yeah. what, that, is, that is someone who just loves the baggy blue cap. And yep. I'm sure that yep. was a just someone – just giving yep. absolutely everything he could. And as he does every time he puts on the baggy blue cap, Trent Copeland, 58 from 60 for him. And uh, Jackson Bird only one wicket in the second inning, so they kept him pretty quiet there. Peter Siddle, three for uh, Sam Rainbird and Jared Freeman, two wickets apiece as well. But a comprehensive win, Tasmania winning that one by 298 runs. And then in the game just completed, it was a run feast for... WA having been sent in by yeah. Victoria, it it was just runs flowing in that first innings. Nine for three ninety one, and someone we 
don't normally expect to get runs. Previous high score, I think, was in the 90s. Joel Paris, 102 not out uh, from 155 balls. Josh Inglis, 115. And Cameron Bancroft at the top, 113 as well. So, hey, uh, Matt, yeah. I reckon that. I reckon for a score under 400, mm. to see three batsmen score 100, and for every batsman to have been, oh, well, they were nine down. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. That's a, because that's a high proportion of the runs has gone to three batters. Yeah. Um, well, the yeah, next, it's a, it's not, the next yeah. highest score was two, Cameron Graham and Sam Whiteman both got 13. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I guess it's the kind of pitch that once you're in, you're in. Once you get past 13 yeah. on that wicket, you just lock in a big score, Robbie. Well, Sam Whiteman then bobbed up in the second innings and he made 100. He did. 104. 104. Yeah, yeah, more runs for Bancroft in the second innings as well, 68. Um, and Joel Paris uh, picking up man of the match, only one wicket in that first innings, one for 34. Matt Kelly, four for 43. Cam Gannon, two for 38. Cam Green, none for 45. Lance Morris, three for 41. Uh, top scorer for the Vicks, up the top of the order, Travis Dean, 38. Then WA, five for 269. Uh, very impressive from Sam Whiteman, as we mentioned. A uh, couple of wickets to John Holland there, and one each to Boland, Sutherland, and Matt Short. And then the Vic- Hey, Matty, just yeah. On that, I just want to give you a great example of why it is so important to go on when you get a start. In Victoria's two innings, one yeah. was the first innings 207, second innings 206, they had 10 players score between 20 and 38. Oh, and when you wow. get to 20 and 38 at that level, you should be in. And they haven't capitalised. So that's just, a, you know, it's a, that hurt, it comes back to hurt you, doesn't it? It certainly does. Certainly does. And Joel Paris icing the game, five for 33. Uh, 100 and a fifer in the same game. Very impressive stuff. And uh, WA keeping themselves well and truly in the hunt, as we mentioned, Robbie. Let's hope for their sake that they don't go undefeated and miss the final. But it could very well happen. Could happen. Could happen, Robbie. And... uh, we probably need to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's answer that mailbag question from across the ditch. Beautiful. I think it's an Australian. I think it's it's an Aussie in New Zealand. This could be interesting. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see we'll see what that, that has in store for us in, in just a moment here on the Cricket Library Weekly. 102, not out. First ton in first class cricket. Paris is a boss. Well, Robbie McKinley. Love that. Wasn't he fired up? Paris Paris is a boss. Oh, love it. Oh, doesn't he love his genuine all-rounders? Yeah, and he loves the pluck from obscurity. That's a rising star, doesn't he? He does. He gets it. He gets on a winner. He loves it. (laughs) Now, uh, we've got some mailbag in, Robbie, and this is time to announce um, we've recently added another member to the official Cricket Library Weekly team. We've got a very, very hardworking behind-the-scenes crew. We've got Jack and Peter, of course, at the Barabadine Cricket Library. Matt Fiction does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But we we have Matt from Orange 
has agreed to be our official stats advisor out of the Orange yeah. Library. And he has helped me out with this mailbag. So this mailbag came in last week when I was in Albury. And a uh, quick, quick mention of it to Matt in our Orange Library. And he said, oh, I think I can help you with this one. So the question was around Jackson Bird, 54 yeah. from 54, and then taking seven wickets. So career best bowling and career best batting in the same game. He's, so Elliot was kind of hinting, well, how often does it happen when you have batters mm. or bowlers score runs and then take wickets? So um, I've just had these, these are actually handwritten notes from our Orange Librarian. Um, and he just gave me a couple of examples. So we've got Mitchell Johnson, second test against South Africa, four for 148 off 37.3 overs, and then he scored 123 off 103 balls. So four for, and then 100, pretty yep. impressive. Then first test against South, South Africa, uh, 96 not out off 131, and then four for 25 off 18 overs. In that game. So Mitch Johnson looks like someone who took a bit of confidence with the bat into confidence with the ball. Uh, let's go Let's let's go back here. G.D. McGrath. Uh, oh. We all remember this one, that, that test match at the Gabba. 61 and then three for 19 off eight as New Zealand were rolled out for 76. A wicket on his first and second over of that innings. So, yeah, he's, he's come. He was high after that 61. Oh. He was. So he, he got a wicket first ball when he bowled after making 61. Oh, in his first and second over. I, I, it doesn't, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So he's just hit, hit the ground running. Uh, Jason Gillespie, of course, that double ton against Bangladesh. He's the only... Test player to have a test double century with a batting average under 20. Really? Yeah. So he, he started that game with none for 14 off four overs. But then in uh, – oh, no, sorry. He, he followed up that double ton with none for 14 off four overs but took three for 11 off five in the first innings. So he's got yeah. three for 11, then double ton, and then he's clocked off. He's, he's thought, I'm only bowling four overs here. Don't need any wickets. That's, that's he was a, done. That's a double ton. And now this one, you'll like this one, Robbie. Darren Goff, third test, 94-95 yes. Sydney. 51 off 56. And then six for 49. That's equal most, that? equal most wickets in, in an innings for his career. So... Included the hat trick, or was that a no, different? No, I think the hat trick was later on, back, yeah. back when Colin Miller was playing for oh, Australia. Yeah. Yep. yep. So yeah, six of forty-nine for Darren Goff, and another one I thought of: um, Stewie McGill's highest test score, forty-three against uh, England, MCG. He took seven wickets for the match in that game as well. Yeah, so there you go. There's there's no doubt others, but I just thought, yeah, it, it is a thing. <laughs> I know for me, um, oh, so, sorry to There's use a correlation a there. Yeah, yeah, sorry to use a pers what, personal example, but no, go on. What would you? Well, my, out? my well, my career best figures, albeit at a lower level than Test match cricket, um, seven for fifty-eight with the ball. 
that was mm. having scored 58 with the bat. So I went, I, I, I've basically converted those bowling figures to seven for none. Because I, I just subtracted the 58 that I scored and... Is that was that in two day cricket, Matt? Or was that in, that in the no, one day? I was in two day cricket. Yeah. So did you bat first or did you bowl? We first? batted first, so I made runs and then yeah. then took wickets on day so you two. Felt good, generally felt good about your performance. Carried it on to the next week. Yeah. Yes. You maintained that high. I did <laughs> maintain the 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 extreme heights of lower grade cricket in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Well, I did have a brief glimpse at your um. Wrongen the other day when we just uh, <laughs> had a little impromptu net session, and um, I I can see where the seven wickets came from. Uh, yeah, yeah, that anyway. was fun actually. Yeah, just for the listeners out there, uh, Robbie and I did did have a bit of a net down at magnificent indoor facility uh, in Wodonga last week. Yeah, and that's that's why for those of you setting your watch on the Cricket Library Weekly, you may have noticed it's been more than seven days since our last recording. It's because Robbie and I caught up in person. And we didn't want to be recording a podcast in person. We no. it's much, much more personal to do it uh, the way we do it traditionally over the phone. <laughs> anyway, uh, so thank you to Elliot for that question. That's a great question. Um, and if you'd like to get your questions in, the address hasn't changed and it is a real address. Yep. And I actually, I had someone phone me and ask me about this just on Friday last week, someone rang yeah, me really? and, and they said, oh, I've got your P.O. box address here. Um, <laughs> just got a query around the street address. And I said, it's 101R Bungle Gumby Road, Burrabedeen, New South Wales, 2830. And yeah. it took a little bit but, of convincing, but... But just don't get it, do they, some people? No. Nah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they think it's some elaborate scheme of Matt Fiction's, now, but anyway. Matt, there's something else I want to get off your chest a bit too. Just yeah. to, I'll probably – look, it's, it's sort of relation to so New South Wales getting knocked over to 32. Yeah. It's, it's probably come to my attention and yours a bit that I'll probably question sometimes the value of that slow batter in, in four-day cricket, you know, that role to play. And look, I've probably suggested Bright Street could, you know – get a wriggle along at times. Um, but I'll tell you what, after, you know, I'm sure New South Wales down in Tasmania would have loved to have a Bryce Street type innings from someone in that top order just to, you know, settle things down. So I think I might have just got a little bit ahead of myself there. <laughs> and I am going to, it is a retraction. I'm going to pull it back. Okay. And I'm going to say that um, I, I will never, I will probably never question um, a person's um, time at the crease in four-day cricket. So, you make what you like of that. Well, I tell you what, Robbie, I will be very much looking forward to seeing Bryce Street batting for long periods against New South Wales. Obviously, as a New South Welshman, I want New South Wales to win the game. Oh, you'll be calling that oh, game. I'll be, be calling. I'll, <laughs> I'll be calling the game. So, um, looking forward. It'll be my first time seeing Bryce Street live. I've watched a lot of footage oh. of his innings and yep. love just love the way he goes about his work. So, um, the listeners of the podcast, please tune in for the commentary of that one. Uh, a to watch Bryce Street, and, yeah, and B to try and help me um, encourage me to be as impartial as I can. When what will you do, Matt? Say you're calling the action, and just out of the blue, Bryce Street absolutely pounds one over the fence for six. 
there could be what? scenes similar to if I hit a six myself. I've hit nine in my life, and I reckon if I get to witness that, there could be pandemonium down at down at Wollongong, uh, North Dalton Park. And also, just quickly on that Shield game, Mitch Swepson, uh, yeah, word back. coming through that he's back in business. So there's a couple of reasons I'll be very hard to uh, get away from that game. I'm only there day one and day three, so hoping to see both those guys in action uh, hey, you might, at some stage. Um, you might catch up with Paul from Napto. He, uh, he's a lovely cricket. He might see him down there at the um, North Dalton Park. Out at Ferry Meadow. Yeah, no, I've, I reckon there'd be a fairly big crowd down there if the sounds like the restrictions are uh, are moving in the right direction to get the crowds back. So, uh, where else would you rather be? Easter weekend, a bit of Sheffield Shield cricket should be a great one. Well, Robbie, um, we're out of time. I'm looking forward to debriefing with you all yeah. the action uh, sometime next week. Don't set your watch by it, but it'll be yeah. some sometime next week. We'll we'll get back together again for a chat for the Cricket Library Weekly. This has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay. Bye for now.